0: Hello, one and all. Welcome to another episode of the B side. Here we talk about movie stars and directors, but we don't talk about the movies that made them famous or kept them famous. Instead, we talk about the ones they made in between. And today I am with the one and only Connor O'Donnell. Connor. What's up? How are you? Are you staying safe? How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good, man. This is a big one. Fifty, right? We, you know, it's Indeed. a little bit of a, yeah. So this will be kind of a special one. Um, we, uh, you know, it'll be a little freewheeling. We're just gonna kind of talk some general b sides and and maybe just ruminate and reflect. Yeah, we're gonna on the show. Yeah, we're gonna keep far. it
0: short. We're gonna we're going to. Talk about our past episodes, maybe some past guests. I think we maybe were... some past secrets. <laughs> we'll deep. really get into it. Some secrets. I think. um So yeah, me. I picked a couple of B sides we haven't covered, but among the careers of talents we have already covered. So, you know, I got uh, a Denzel movie we didn't really talk about that I wanted to shout out. I got a Kevin Costner, I wanted to shout out. I got a Keanu I just watched. Um, that probably I shouldn't shout out. Actually, now that I finished watching it, but <laughs> we'll do it anyway. Um, while we've been staying at home and you know doing our part, as it were, what have you? You watched anything, Connor? Just in general, that you've liked?
1: I have. Yeah. Um, I've been diving deep into. Um, as of this recording, uh, the Criterion Collection has a uh, a collection of films uh, called Columbia Noir, and it is what it sounds like. It's just a, a old. You know, a collection of uh, old film noir from Columbia Pictures. There are a few ones in there that you've probably heard of, um, if you're a fan of noir or classic film. And there are just a couple other ones that I had never heard of um, that kind of popped up. So it's it's really I would encourage anybody who uh, who's looking for things to watch. I mean, Criterion Channel in general is a big recommend, just because. Not only does it have these sort of like little hidden gems that are awesome from all over the world and allows you to just kind of expand your horizons. It also just has a great collection of of good curated, you know, what I would call like 101 content, right? Where it's like if you're someone right. who's just like trying to check off like the directors you, sh- you should watch or uh, the films you should watch, it's a great place to start. They curate things in a really nice way in that regard as well. Um, but yeah, I particularly, I was watching, uh, first time watch for me, I watched the big heat, um, Fritz Lang movie, uh, with Glenn Ford and, uh, Gloria Graham and uh lee marvin isn't it a younger lee marvin isn't it as well have you seen that movie dan
0: i don't actually think i have
1: i have seen
0: it um it's
1: tr- it that's one that 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 was that's more of a, right. a blank spot for me like I, I think that's one that people have seen it's one that pops up when you talk about that's a more. bigger one yeah, I, yeah. Mean,
0: I i um i think of white heat you know when you talk about it obviously but that's that's jimmy cagney it, and um it's a sub- it's funny glenn ford uh is in gilda with yeah. Rita Hayworth. which, which is I also a, which watched is a, as part of that
1: collection. Uh, which yeah, that's is a, re- a very good movie, a really good um, movie. Um, he no, he's like a super. I've never, I haven't watched a ton of his movies. He's an, a super interesting leading man to me. Um, maybe we'll do an episode on him at some point. But um, but this movie in particular, uh, it's one of those film noir, not unlike you know, not unlike a lot of Sam Fuller movies or something like that, where. I was struck by the violence, um, and, and what the movie kind of gets away with. Um, it's brutal and, um, it's, you know, Gloria Graham in particular goes through a lot and, but she just, uh, I think I tweeted this out when I was watching it. She just steamrolls her way through every scene she's in. She's so good. Um, It's a really, really great take on sort of the mobster's girlfriend character because it just it it finds a way sort of halfway through the movie to really empower her in a fascinating way, um, which feels sort of ahead of its time. Um, So, yeah, definitely a big recommend on that.
0: I uh, recently it's funny just thinking of Glenn Ford. I recently watched. Uh, both 310s to Yuma's back oh, to back. Because okay. um, I don't believe I'd seen the original 310 to Yuma, the Delmer Daves movie. I've never in watched
1: which... it like front to back, so I can't yeah, Glenn, say that I've seen like the whole thing.
0: Glenn Ford plays the Ben Wade character, obviously, which Russell Crowe plays in the remake. And Glenn Ford is really fun in the 310 to Yuma 1957 version. So, yeah, I agree. He's an actor, a movie star who. Yeah, I've seen what I've seen. You know, I haven't seen everything. Obviously, I haven't seen the big heat, but uh, he would be a fun one to explore. Um, I was going to jump in and say, I a couple things. You have your Criterion channel. I have my movie, a uh, movie we have a nice relationship with here at the Film Stage. Uh, we shout them out on every Film Stage show episode, and so I've been lucky enough. I have a subscription to movie, and I watched uh, a movie called amateur by Hal Hartley oh, nice. um, as part of their they had like three phases, three it was something like three versions of Isabel Huppert, you know, curation and amateur was on there. Um, so I watched that a few days ago. young Martin Donovan's in it as well. Um, Hal Hartley's one of those directors, you know kind of pretty famous indie director. I've seen a few of his movies, but honestly not many right like the Henry Fool Faye Grimm movies. I haven't seen, um, you know, so that was cool to get a taste of him uh, and his whole style. Uh, So I would recommend, I mean, Mubi is easy to recommend. So Mubi, it's a little different than Criterion Channel. Mubi is, it's 30 films, a film a day. They'll like curate different, you know, like I said, you know, oh, the Isabel Hubera films. Oh, like uh, they, they did. They just had like trauma films. You know, if you know the trauma films, Toxic Avenger and whatnot. Um, so they will like program them. And then you basically have 30 days to watch, uh, you know, the the movie. And so, every, so it's a rotating kind of a cycle, which is cool. Um, so that I've been kind of, I've been exploring that and really enjoying it. It's um, funny
1: you mentioned, uh, it's funny you mention Hal Hartley, because I, have a family friend who was had a had a bit part in a Hal Hartley movie. And, Do you remember which one? Uh, yeah, it's he. He was in uh, the Girl from Monday. Oh, in, okay. In
0: 05. Yeah, I mean he's an interesting guy. He kind of, you know, we live in a different time. You know, Hal Hartley came up. I think he kind of made a name for himself in the indie circuit in the nineties. You know, when there was more money floating around in that world, right? So, sure now it's a little i mean i don't know it's a little interesting right i know he raised money for ned rifle which was a the continuation of the henry fool story um so i think he's still trying to make work and obviously doing what he can but i do think it's a little harder for someone like him to get movies made which i think is kind of interesting but it's funny because i feel like that line is it, it you know someone like spike lee i think there was a moment where that was happening when you had stuff like you know, to sweet blood of Jesus and Red Hook Summer, but now he's got this Netflix deal after the success of Black Klansman, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously Spike Lee was you know always a little bit you know better known, of course, than than Hal Hartley, but this you know just thinking about indie directors, you know, New York based and whatnot it is funny how there does seem to be this almost like this Netflix line. You know what I mean? Where sure. it's like, if you can get in and get that deal, you can maybe get the money to make something. It's, it's kind of an interesting and look, obviously not to dwell on this because it's being covered pretty widely. We're in a weird time now where it's like, you know, does something like the way back, which is a studio movie, but it's a drama. Does that even come out in theaters next year after all this settles? Like does Warner brothers make enough money off of the VOD uh amounts from you know the way back and they see that and they go oh you know what like forget movie theaters or like trolls world tour i don't know you know is that right does that is that a huge hit i don't know i mean you know we don't know yet but well and it's like that it's that the tricky
1: thing with the trolls thing right is it's the bird box thing where it's like they control the numbers yeah and you just have to like take their word for
0: it um, I do think that's going to change, obviously, as if it becomes more of the market staple. Um, just because it'll have to. Um, another, speaking of that, another movie that I was lucky enough to watch is uh, the uh, true history of the Kelly Gang, which is the Justin Kurzel movie, um, starring George McKay as Ned Kelly, and Russell Crowe is in it, um, Nicholas Holt's in it, Charlie Hunnam's in it for a bit um i want to find actually now that i'm talking about it i want to shout out i think it's se davis i believe is the mother uh ned kelly's mother character in the film let me just make sure that's right kelly kelly but um so justin Kurzel, you know him he did snowtown he did the assassin's creed movie he did his adaptation of macbeth starring michael fassbender um he's an interesting filmmaker uh very yeah Essie davis is her name uh just want to shout that out ellen kelly ellen kelly um and so ned kelly you probably know the name he's an australian outlaw legendary kind of Oh, they're robin hood kind of um in the late 1800s he made a name for himself he was executed spoiler alert um and but not after basically taking on the local cops in uh australia and he made a name for himself as a rebel for the people type of thing right there are some versions you might know there was a version, uh, that Tony Richardson directed in the early seventies with Mick Jagger playing Ned Kelly. Um, that did not get well received and Mick Jagger and Tony Richardson both kind of softly disowned. I don't think it was an, an amazing experience. And I will say I watched it, um, ahead of watching true history of the Kelly gang. And I did not like, uh, the Mick Jagger movie. I will say that Tony Richardson is a very, uh, impressive director you know some of his other movies i'm sure um i he he kind of he's a british filmmaker who kind of represented he was really kind of a, a front and center of that angry young man period where you, sure. had, you know you had you had people like malcolm mcdowell coming up um uh and stuff like uh you know stuff like Lindsay anderson if right these movies were coming out at the same time the Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner is a personal favorite of mine. I like that movie a lot. Tony Richardson, his last movie is called Blue Sky, actually, uh, with Tommy Lee Jones and Jessica Lange. It's a pretty interesting movie. came out in the 90s. He made a cool movie with Harvey Keitel and Jack Nicholson called The Border. Um, and, yeah, this Ned Kelly version is kind of – I think the movie Tony Richardson probably is best known for, at least used to be, is his Tom Jones movie with Albert Finney, actually. Right. In the um, – in the sixties. And then I think he even did an adaptation of the Joseph Andrews novel, uh, later on, as a matter of fact. So he was kind of, he did a lot of different stuff. I just, the Ned Kelly, the Mick Jagger Ned Kelly, it's, it's, it's there. It's very mythological. It's very, um, it's very folksy. Waylon Jennings basically does the score It has these like songs that like tell the story. Kind of weirdly reminded me of the animated Robin Hood. Just, you know? that's it's like, yeah, as soon it's as you very weird. It's like Ned Kelly, Ned Kelly. <laughs> they said Ned Kelly did this thing, and it was a and it's kind of it took me out of it. I'll be honest. Um, I know he's a great artist. I did not love the music. Um the Mick Jagger performance is a miss we'll leave it at that it just feels very kind of distracted um anyway so that movie came and went and then in the early 2000s gregor jordan made his version of ned kelly with heath ledger that's the one that i know
1: yeah Yeah.
0: and that's the one probably our listeners would even i don't even vaguely know of um and it's kind of funny that's a similarly like It's a little bit less mythologizing. It tries to be a little grittier and whatnot. I mean, it's certainly Um,
1: still, I feel like, romantic,
0: though. And look, I mean, that's his whole legend is like that. So you're not going to not do that, I suppose. This whole thing, I mean, you can read about it. He basically, him and his gang got into a standoff with the coppers, right? In real life, they tried to hijack a train, crash a train, to like basically kill box these cops like but there was somebody on the inside who ratted on it and the cops were able to remove the thing that would have you know pulled the train off the tracks and so what ended up happening is they got pinned down the kelly gang got pinned down themselves and then it ends with you know ned kelly basically invented these like full body armor you know for the eighteen hundred suits and so every single adaptation that i've seen has a rendering of this like full body armor suit where he ends up you know in the final showdown TV yeah on these cops and he was he was taking taken alive which is the craziest thing after everything that happened and then ultimately you know met his fate but um his famous like last words this is part of the legend he said such is life right so you have the version of that and in all of, in all of these and true history of the Kelly gang is a fiction, right? And in the beginning, the movie tells you that, um, it's based on a novel of the same name and Kurzel does a lot of cool visual things and he gets some interesting performances. Um, the whole thing is about sexual identity and masculinity. So there's a lot of homoeroticism on purpose. There's a lot of like, you know, there's a thing about Ned Kelly's dad being this, kind of secret outlaw who wore a dress and that was something to be ridiculed but the movie has the movie's opinion is obviously kind of more fluid than that which I did appreciate there was this acknowledgement of you know yes these were manly men but there was more going on and we should try to acknowledge that um which is brave i think to approach a masculine topic such as that with such a kind of let's kind of tear into the identities of these people um, sure so that's all interesting you know nicholas halt is probably the standout i'd say he plays the constable who is ultimately kind of the main villain there's a version of that character i think it's constable fitzpatrick there's a there's a version of that villainous character in all of the versions i think it's uh, R- Je- jeffrey rush plays it in the in the Heath Ledger version, no. right? So it's interesting. No, Jeffrey Rush plays the like the head of the cops, right? In So in the other versions, the constable character is more of a cuckoldy guy. He basically wants to marry or get with Ned Kelly's sister and he's rebuffed and then he kind of gets a little handsy and the Kelly brothers don't take kindly to it and the resulting offense almost is the spark for the whole you know the kelly's get screwed thing right but look i mean look australia was a prison state so australia's history is very strange and rebellious right and there is a really weird relationship with the united kingdom understandably and so you know these movies try ned kelly is kind of a good representation of that struggle right because there's this you know these english cops essentially who are you know uh oppressing these australian you know people right so uh i basically like true history i think it it gets a little long in the tooth at the end it does some style things towards the very end that are almost assaultive like i was kind of like all right like this is it gets to a point where i it became a little too much which I, i i there's a lot of cool effects but but it's like it gets very creative and artistic and how it portrays the final showdown, which I think I appreciated aside from showing it the regular way. You know, I think that was, sure. b- was interesting, but I ultimately wasn't as taken with it as I wish I was, though. George McKay, you got to say a great performer. He's, a, in he's an interesting actor. Yeah, I yeah. feel
1: like every t- I don't love 1917, but I feel like every time I see him, yeah. he's got such a fucking
0: engaging face. And it's funny, so it's funny with Kurzel because his Macbeth, it's similar for me because I liked a lot of his Macbeth, but by the end of Macbeth, I it was similar. I was kind of like, okay, I don't know. I think we've lost our thread here because the style, sure. right? And they're great visual ideas, they are. So I don't want to take away from that. It kind of overpowers what I'm watching. It, it sounds kind of silly. It, it's but-
1: interesting because like, what you you were talking about true true history and I I was thinking about that with Macbeth because I felt the same way yeah and with Kurzil it's it almost works to the opposite effect uh it in Assassin's Creed where it's like well, right. it's like right. the only thing that movie has going for it
0: where you're like oh at least this like looks like something um yeah Assassin's Creed gets lost yeah it's funny you say that it's true assassin's creed gets lost in its own plot devices to the point i rewatched it recently and i did i will say i liked it more than i remembered i will say that but by the end it's funny yeah by the end those last maybe it's yeah i would have to re-watch snowtown to be honest because i and see if it's like a thread yeah, yeah but yeah. but that's some that's an interesting thing to think about with him Anyway, I, I would still recommend it. I think it's an interesting movie to watch during this time. You know, you can rent it now. Um, so, you know, a relatively soft recommendation, but a recommendation nonetheless. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'll keep it my last kind of things I've been watching. I finally watched Awake and Fright, um, which is a Ted Kotcheff movie from the early 70s starring Gary Bond. That was kind of the first you know that takes place in the australian outback um it's basically about it i don't know have you seen wake and fright connor no no it's on prime it's on amazon prime and it's a pretty interesting movie um basically the school teacher in the outskirts of the australian outback he is on his way back to sydney and he has to make a stop in this town kind of on the way and he's got a girlfriend waiting for him in sydney whatnot and he's really disenchanted right he's like forced into he's been in this this i think actually happened in australia he's kind of forced into this like terrible teaching contract where like he in order to get his full amount he's got to stay out in this like nothing town for like at least a couple of years and he doesn't want to be there anymore And he basically gets caught up with these locals in this town and it goes haywire and it becomes this pretty interesting movie there's some there's a kangaroo hunt in it that is is somewhat controversial that you may know if you even know this movie in which they actually killed kangaroos it was a sanctioned hunt at the time and they did it with real hunters on a real you know you know legal whatever but watching it in 2020 i was like mm. uh it's hard to actually watch like just because uh, there was
1: just there's a scene like that in um king solomon's minds right and i was watching it because it's you know it's like one of the it was one of the big influences on uh indiana jones Jones. so i was watching it and there is a sequence in that film near the beginning where quarter is with the african natives and they're hunting and it's one of those things it's like look how scary these elephants are right and they just like demolish these elephants and it's like that was a close one and you i could not have watched it You'd just be like oh god oh yeah. no! and they're not you know like i presumably they're not really doing that but it is like just a thing to watch in the way the, the lens yeah i mean that the movie has on it i'm like oh, oh no, no
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting you know with wake and fright it the movie ends with a producer's note that basically acknowledges what it was and acknowledges that that's It's not allowed anymore, right? Basically, they're kind of like, hey, look, we kept it in the movie because we don't wanna, you know, we wanna be true to what did happen and it was sanctioned, but you know, these this is now an endangered species, essentially, right? So Gary Bond is an interesting actor, though. He's very great in the movie. He's the lead, he's the school teacher. Donald Pleasance is kind of, I guess, the other lead ultimately. Like he's one of these locals who there's kind of sexual identity stuff in that movie that is way ahead of its time in terms of just kind of, in a way, I would imagine that Curzel knows and loves Wake and Fright, just given the, what he's doing in true history. But um, there's an acknowledgement of the closest between overt masculinity and homoeroticism, right? Which we sure. talk about with stuff like Top Gun and, yeah, and all yeah, this. Yeah, of course. So, so that's interesting. Gary Bond was, I think, a theater actor mostly. He ultimately sadly died of AIDS, as a matter of fact, in the nineties, but a very compelling performance i will say um and that's kind of yeah i've been watching stuff like that you know i've been watching i watched you know uh, me and you were joking about this connor we wa- or i watched um what's the extraction you know the chris oh, sure, thorne sure. <laughs> you,
1: you watched watch, that you watched bloodshot movie. which uh, watch bloodshot. As, as of right now is uh, as of this recording is the last movie i've seen in a movie theater um which is
0: bloodshot it, bloodshot was okay i, I didn't think. No, no no
1: to be completely fit, like honest i I did not hate it. Like I, yeah. like it granted it's, it is one of those things like, you know, when the movie theater was still open, I had the pass, right. The monthly, whatever unlimited thing. And so, you know, you go see a movie like Bloodshot because like whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, okay. And I had this sort of inkling, like right before everything kind of locked down that I was like, Oh, this is probably going to happen. So like, let me just like go to a movie theater. And, uh, and so, uh my fiance also loves uh loves Vin Diesel, right? Like just gets a kick out oh, of his movies. Oh, does she? Out of, out of, out of, out of, you just gets a kick out of his movies. Like we love, yeah, you know, yeah. we watched all the fast movies. Right, you like the
0: fast movies, sure, know, right. and all that.
1: So we uh we went to go see it. We both basically enjoyed it. Um, I will say one thing about that movie I enjoyed is the, the particularly in the first half of the movie, I really liked Guy Pierce's performance um, right. I think it's kind of playful and fun. Um, the movie sort of decides to go another way, which is a bummer but um, but yeah, I basically didn't have a problem with that movie until the last 20 minutes. Um, yeah I mean when it kind I of think... goes like full like special effects extravaganza that there's a shootout in the movie. Uh, in a tunnel that's lit by flares and involves and there's a, like fla- yeah, a flower it involves truck. like a broken down flower truck. And it's like a visually interesting, uh, you know, relatively well put together.
0: Weirdly, you know what's scene. funny about that? Weirdly reminiscent of a lot of Justin Kerzel's Macbeth movie. Oh, that's <laughs> because yeah, that's true. Red Red, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think in the, I think in the climactic battle of that film. Like the ble- the the bleeding red yeah. aesthetic thing. Is a whole thing. Um, I think works to better effect in Bloodshot, which is crazy. But, but it's, a, you know, obviously a different thing ultimately. But, yeah, I mean, Bloodshot's one of these movies, you know, um, I believe it's directed by a VFX guy, right? And I think you have that, you know, it's funny, you're having this more and more, which it, it kind of makes sense. Sam Hargraves, who I believe directed Extraction... Is a stunt guy, right? You have, the, I mean, it makes sense. It's like you, you, these movies where the main thing is the action, of course. And like, for instance, you know, like
1: Tim Miller, right? Like Deadpool, like it was his a v- his background is in VFX I too. Think,
0: right? Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the guy, I believe the guy who directed Bloodshot and Tim Miller basically came up together in the same VFX world. As a matter of fact, interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you're having it more and more, which, um, you know, I believe, I think. I think uh, Blank Check, by the way, just to shout them out. I believe they mentioned that on one of their podcasts. So that might not be an original thought. But yeah, Dave Wilson um, and Tim Miller, I think, have a relationship. But whatever. Suffice it to say, like, of course, these guys are getting the shot. And it makes sense when you think about how these bigger movies are, have become so reliant on VFX, on stunts. Um, Yeah, Extraction. Um, I wish I liked more. The set pieces are impressive. Um, but it's one of these things, and I think you run into this a little, you know, more and more these days, where there's just not much comedy there. There's not much joy. You know what I mean? Like right. there's not much joy which in the is movie. It's which very is,
1: dire. Which to me is a, the biggest bummer to hear I have not watched it yet, but it's the biggest bummer to hear about that movie because. Hemsworth is so charming, like he's yeah. so, you know, he's, and he's got such good comedic chops that to, you know, to, to, you know, basically turn him into an action star and not rely on that. Right. I, you know, it, it's different than say, like, and, and look, I'm not even trying to say that some people can make these movies and some people can't, uh, but, you know, Michael Mann takes him and puts him in Black Hat, a movie that I've grown to, to be very fond of. Um, and he is good in it and has that brooding thing that Michael Mann wants out of him. Right. That movie I would argue is relatively joyless, at least in the sense that you're talking about, right? Like that movie is not funny, right? It's not, there are no jokes and it doesn't leverage that part of his, uh, his persona per se, but I don't know. I just, I, I feel like he is, he has given better performances than black hat because he has leveraged that part of his persona so it's just one of those things that like why would you not right like why would you not let this dude use all of the tools in his toolbox
0: yeah it it just the whole thing feels very limiting kind of to what it can offer so i don't know i mean i think you might get enjoyment out of it it is a movie you know tailor-made for this time it's on netflix right it's got a big star in it so i wouldn't I wouldn't even shy away. I mean, I wouldn't give it a recommendation, obviously, but I, I would under. I would say if you're excited about it, um, you know, his name is Tyler Rake and he kills somebody with Rake. So is that a real thing? Yep. Holy you know, shit. I think Jordan Hoffman, our buddy Jordan Hoffman, called it out in his Guardian review. So when it happens you know they're very they're very aware of it and they're very proud of it so you know that's something um one thing we wanted to do we didn't want to you know go too long here i think we wanted to kind of talk about connor what were some you know past episodes that you liked and maybe we you didn't get a chance to mention a b-side or two that you wanted to just shout out well yeah
1: so a couple ones that i i picked out looking at sort of past b-sides and other things i'd want to call out some some of them are things that have become b-sides that did not exist when we recorded our episodes um and others are just things that i uh had not necessarily seen so one of the uh one of the movies that was part of this uh columbia noir collection on criterion that i was mentioning is this film called the harder they fall um which we may have like mentioned in our humphrey Bogart episode maybe uh, because we just his, his we, last movie yeah right? it's his last film and it it we did cover the latter half of his career a little bit um with uh beat the devil but right. and this is similar in that I mean, he actually he does he looks better in this movie than he does in beat the devil from a health standpoint interesting um, i think that also just might be the quality of the production um but the he definitely certainly you know, certainly looks old and, 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 and sort of definitely on his way out. He was, I believe, di- he smoked a lot of cigarettes. Yeah. He was, I believe diagnosed with cancer, like right yeah. after he finished shooting this movie. Um, and it's a good, it's a, it was a good little find. Um, it's him, it's bogey and Rod Steiger. And basically is about, you know, bogey plays a, uh, a sports journalist who Rod Steiger has been trying to kind of rope into his organization for quite some time. Rod Steiger is a boxing promoter and obviously not everything he does is exactly on the level. So he's been trying to get Bogey in there to like drum up some good press for his fighters. And Rod Steiger at the start of the movie shows Bogey this, um, this fighter named Toro that he, he, he basically brought up from Argentina who is this like giant of a dude but can't punch and can't take a hit so he wants to essentially use bogey's talents and bogey's connections and bogey's clout to essentially do pr for toro uh to help him sort of drum up the fights and work with other managers other fighters managers to essentially throw these fights to ensure that toro wins right and as i was kind of uh digging into a little bit it's it's A fascinating movie for i think it's a good you know engaging movie uh bogey kind of is there sort of i don't want to say in neutral but he's there doing kind of what he does best same thing with steiger like they both give performances that if you know them as actors you would expect from them uh it's kind of interesting bogey definitely didn't sort of have any real appreciation for steiger's acting style um he basically just was you know he called it the like scratch your ass and mumble school of acting kind of um, in terms of the uh, the method. But um, <laughs> but so that was kind that's kind of been was interesting to watch because they do come across v- clearly very differently in the movie. But uh, they're both, I think, excelling at the way they perform and it's fun to see them on screen together. Um, it's also interesting. It's sort of, I guess, loosely based uh, reportedly on the career of uh, Primo Carnera, who essentially, there were rumors when he was a fighter that a majority of his fights were fixed. And um, he actually kind of took issue with the movie when it came out because he felt it sort of capitalized on those it's rumors. And also in the movie is uh, another former uh, champion, uh, Max Baer. Who, if you uh listener, have seen Cinderella Man, um, he's sort of made to be the antagonist in that movie uh that Russell Crowe goes up against. Right. That's like
0: the big fight. Yeah, yeah. He's
1: played by um Craig, Craig Bierko. Uh
0: Chandler turned down Chandler Bing. Oh
1: Craig wow. Beer. How did that work out for him? Thirteenth floor. Thirteenth
0: floor, baby. Craig Beer. floor Um basically he
1: um Mac it's kind of interesting because in real life, Max Baer was gained a reputation for, uh, killing men in the ring. Uh, he actually was charged with manslaughter at one point because of it. He was ultimately cleared, but, um, he had killed a couple guys in the ring. That's something that Cinderella man kind of tackles a little bit to sort of make, you know, vilify him a little bit in real life. His family took issue with Cinderella man because, uh, reportedly max bear was obviously like devastated and super guilty over having killed men in the ring but what i think is funny is in the harder they fall um basically max bear plays a version of himself and that Mm -hmm. version of himself is super boastful about having killed guys in the ring so it's an interesting like fascinating weird thing to look at when you know those facts just in terms of this dude like, right. somehow I mean, trying to, to reconcile all the
0: things that he's done as a fighter. But yeah, I mean, I've never been overly boastful about the kills that I've had in the ring. So, well, I, these are
1: the secrets that we were talking about before. That yes, are come well, out.
0: Look, yeah, well, we're, look, we're laying it all out yeah, there. So, of course, we'll say we'll it's say. the big 50. Um, I'll recommend just because you brought up Rod Steiger, uh, everybody listening should seek out and watch The pawn Broker from the late uh, 60s. Oh, yeah, that's a great Sidney movie. Lumet movie. Uh, for my money, one of the Rob Rod Steiger is the pawnbroker. For my money, one of the best performances ever put to film. So I would just say do yourself the favor when you get a chance. Not not a fun movie, right? Not a, you know, it's a there's a lot going on. It's a character piece, character study. Um pretty dour, fair, but worth every minute. So that's just another, you know, Rod Steiger, kind of one of the great underappreciated actors of our time. So, you know, I think he is someone yeah any movie the harder they fall any movie that would show him off is kind of a great movie to recommend i'll recommend denzel washington we did uh an episode on him uh many moons ago now it feels like and one movie we must have mentioned it but one movie we didn't focus on that i just wanted to mention because i do love it is out of time 2003 movie directed by carl franklin I believe we talked about his other movie with Carl Franklin, or we all might have just mentioned it, called Devil in a Blue Dress, which I think was also covered as a classic episode on the on film, film stage show. show. Yep. Um, I, I love Devil in a Blue Dress. Um, I guess you would say formally it's a better movie. But to be honest, I would put Out of Time right up there. Out of Time yeah. is a sweaty Florida set thriller is it florida
1: or new orleans
0: no it's florida keys Oh, okay banyan key florida which i think might be yeah it's a fictional town but it's in the keys and it's just a sweaty thriller it reminds you of a john d mcdonald novel right it's like um i'll keep it quick it's like denzel's the the sheriff right he's the yeah he's the chief of police in this fictional town and um He's recently separated with Ava Mendez and he's carrying on an affair with an old flame played by Sanaa Lathan, who is married to an abusive husband played by Dean Cain, baby. Is that (laughs) Dean Cain? And um, and essentially he semi unwittingly Denzel gets roped up in this insurance fraud conspiracy involving Sonal Lathan, right? And all of a sudden he's, he is, tr- he is the chief suspect. Also the chief of police trying to f- solve the riddle before his colleagues solve it. So just that alone, right? That, and it's, that, it, it's, that stress level, right? The, and it's, and look, Carl Franklin is one of these guys. He directs a lot of TV. Now he's such an underappreciated director because A problem I tend to have sometimes with criticism is a movie like Out of Time kind of gets, it almost gets short shrift because it's a thriller and there's that thing of like, oh yeah, it's a good time. And it's like, yes, it's a good time. But it's impressive the way Franklin paces out the tension and never has it kind of fold in on itself if that makes sense you know it's not that yes. easy to do like and, and we should say
1: I, I might be misremembering it's been like a maybe a, a little over a year since i watched the movie but th- it's it's done uh it,
0: in sort of the illusion of real time right like kind of, it's not like nick of time nick of time is 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 the johnny depp movie uh where they literally that's like they it's try to. M- it's do like it ninety, 90 minutes, and the event it's of the movie is and and Yeah, yeah. yeah that, this is like
1: a little different. This isn't, but it is right. like a day in the life
0: type movie, right? Like yeah, it's basically very much the like, minute. Yeah, the minute it starts getting weird, um, y- yeah, you don't cut away to like the next day, right? You right. basically he's just with Denzel's He's trying right, which I love. I mean, look, I'm a big fan of process movies, right? Which is probably one of the reasons you know we talk about Michael Mann. I mean, you know. A, mo- a movie in- this is that sounds like an oversimplification or or maybe obvious or something but movies in which people are doing their jobs uh if you do it well can be very fascinating oh, right totally. so this is so this is a movie this, this this is a great example of that is my point um and i'll leave it at that Sh- seek it out um it's a great thriller um 2003 kind of came in between bigger hits for Denzel right sure. it's like kind of right after the so, oscar sort for training sort of definition
1: Day. of a b side
0: it's yep. it is the most b side uh, you can get. um The other one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this just because it's not really a B side, but this is like the other wreck that I love that I wanted to say. Shout out. We did Hugh Jackman a million years ago. I don't even know if Connor was on that episode. I no, that, that was, like was before with Gavin. That was Mideous. Gavin Meebius yeah. of the Mixed Reviews podcast. um And we didn't, we talked about the three movies he made right after X Men, right? His 01 movie. So we talked about Kate Leopold, Swordfish, and someone like you you know a great selection of b-sides um well a complicated <laughs> selection of b-sides he made a movie Hugh made a movie in 2008 with boz Luhrmann called australia that i love with all my heart it's like Baz a, gone with the wind. that movie too yeah it says yeah. gone with the wind it's like it's you know obviously boz is australian hugh jackman's australian right it's you know nicole kidman is the the vivian lee if you will um It's a sweeping, it's a sweeping romance, uh, that takes place during a time of change in Australia. Right. And, um, I love movies like that. Uh, I love that setting. Um, it's lush. I love Baz Luhrmann. It's very much a Baz movie. Um, so I would just encourage people if that sounds like something you would like, um, if you, if you, if you come in on, if you, if you can get behind sappiness, if you can get behind kind of an old Hollywood feel, uh, I would recommend giving it a look. And, That's the um, movie yeah.
1: with the, and not to, not to bias anybody's okay. opinion, but that is the movie with the infamous digital shave, right?
0: Yeah, so yeah. Fox produced it, and um, they, you know, big, expensive production, and Hugh Jackman plays, he, I think they call, he's the Drover in the yep. movie. I yeah, believe yeah, yeah, his yeah. Name. name's Drover. Basically an Australian farmer, essentially, you know, got, you know, a, or he's herding cattle, cattle herder, right? And um, he he grew out his beard, you know, because the character would have a beard and what have you. And Fox was looking at the cut and decided his beard was too bushy. And so they had, and this is reported. I mean, I don't know how alleged this is at this point. It was reported that Fox spent somewhere around $4 million hiring a post team to digitally shave his beard. So... He looked a little Excuse more. Me, it looked a little bit yeah. uh, more. Because they
1: hired handsome Hugh,
0: and they wanted you har- handsome Hugh. You hired Hugh for, for for his uh, for his handsomeness. So, yeah, I, it's interesting. You can't really tell. I don't know. It's something. I, I, would, I don't.
1: It's I, been a, it, I own the movie. It's been a long time since I've watched it. So maybe actually, maybe I'll put that on uh, soon. I will say you mentioned out of time, and I do want to use that as a segue to two movies I wanted to bring up that are. Um, you know one was a denzel movie and but it, it they cover a couple people we've we've done so i wanted to bring up uh roman j israel esquire um which at this point is also a sort of a newer newly minted uh denzel b-side um he did
0: i believe get a nomination for it right Um uh- Denzel, I believe, got a nomination. I'll, I'll triple check, but he he got a I would say for it.
1: outside of that, I would say it qualifies as a B side, just because it, like, nobody saw it. You know, it's got like a six-point whatever
0: general I think, rating. I think, yeah, I think the only reason other than the nomination you would say it's not a B side is because the titles become almost. In some corners of pop culture, a piece of ridicule, right? Like right, The right. idea that it's this I, obtuse title, which yeah, I think it, is it, it's funny. got
1: it's starring Denzel. He's basically this idealistic lawyer who, essentially, I won't and go too was, much. He
0: was he was he was nominated. Yeah. This. Okay.
1: Um, he he's basically an idealistic lawyer. You know his name, uh, and um, and he essentially gets. And deeply involved in, in sort of a crisis of conscience as he starts work getting integrated into this, uh, larger firm operated by Colin Farrell.
0: And he's essentially
1: been working on this piece of legislation that, uh, that he's been trying to make happen and, is trying to sort of push through and it, it just becomes this, it's a, it's a morality play type thing of him trying to make that happen, but compromising his character as he goes from being like a small time lawyer to a big time lawyer type thing. And, um, I, I wanted to talk about it one, obviously because of Denzel, because Denzel's great in it. Um, and it should be seen, his performance should be seen. Uh, but also Colin Farrell, uh, his supporting, great
0: supporting performance is
1: amazing in it. And it's, it it's not dissimilar to his per- supporting performance in Widows, um, which is also I feel like at this point a B side. Um, that it's just it's it's enough of a smarmy performance that you feel like you're getting a, w- what maybe you'd come to expect from Col- Colin Farrell popping up in a supporting performance in a you know in a movie um, or in an adult drama, but it. It, it, there's still a, like a measure of like humanity and heart to uh to both of those performances actually in the way those characters are treated that he just threads that needle um he threads that needle so perfectly and i just think right that movie uh in particular is worth watching for both well, those performances um yeah i would agree great. i
0: mean dan gilroy wrote and directed it um you know him uh, he's Tony Gilroy's brother, and he wrote and directed... Dan Gilroy wrote and directed Velvet Buzzsaw, right? Yes, yeah, that wasn't Tony. That was Dan. Yep, yeah. that was Dan, yeah. So, Dan Gilroy was a screenwriter, is a screenwriter, He also did but, Nightcrawler, you would know. Right, Nightcrawler yeah. was his, mm-hmm. uh, his feature debut as a director. So, yep. you know, he deals in extremes in a lot of his films. And I think Roman J. Israel, it clearly must have been a passion project because it's... Look, movies like Roman J. Israel, I think, tend to not find audiences all the time because you're threading a needle in a you're morally, you're in a gray area, right? You're right. Because because basically, look, I identify as a liberal, right? Um, and I don't know, Connor, you do too, and I think well, you know, I haven't
1: revealed my big secret. Yet. No, oh I'm no, I'm not even gonna, no! No, I'm not even kidding. I'm, I'm just not kidding. Gonna I'm, gonna just kidding. I'm
0: just kidding. No, no. But but point is this, right? I identify left, of course, fine, um, but I think a movie like Roman J. Israel. I think what I I love about it, because I actually I do love that movie, is I think without being overly preachy, and being very intelligent, what it explores is that idea of if Roman J. Israel, the character, is a Bernie Bernie guy, and you know his whole life he's been a Bernie guy, right? And Colin Farrell is the dude who's more Clinton Democrat. Sure. Right? And his whole thing is, look, this is what we have to do to get the thing passed. There is an inherent unlikability to the practicality of the Colin Farrell character in the world of of Roman J. Israel Esquire. But Colin Farrell's character is not necessarily a bad guy. right? Right. There is an honesty. He's not
1: really like the villain of the movie right? where you think he would be.
0: And I I think what I'm saying is I don't really think Roman J. Israel's wrong or or too radical, right? Just Mm -hmm. like I don't know that I think that about Bernie either. You know, I have my own opinions. I won't go into them too much. But the point is simply what I like about the movie is it's trying to explore the difficulty of this system right where it's like if you're a lawyer who you know because there's a moment where he like he fucks up a deal right that would have helped a client but he does it because the client was getting railroaded but he handles it poorly right like and it's one of those things where it's like dude i know it's not the perfect situation but it results in this client up getting into a way worse situation situation yeah and it just speaks to the complexities of these things. Like if you want to get things done, compromise has to be considered, right? That's kind sure. of what the movie is suggesting. And ultimately, you know, it goes another direction in terms of the morality player talking about. But I do think I really like movies that try to do that. And I yeah. think they sometimes fail to find audiences because, and I get it. You don't necessarily want to go, you know, to a movie to have to wrestle yeah, of with course. that. Yeah, of right? course. you of know, which course course I get. I get. So yeah. it's hard, you know, movies like that are harder to make nowadays. You know what I mean? Like even, you know, not to but like a movie like HUD, for example, right?
1: I'm glad you brought that it's, up because I'm gonna use it to segue it in my next recommendation. Right. But, yeah. but
0: that you would agree, that's a movie. It was a hit when it came out. It's a complicated, it's about a complicated Lee character. It deals with complicated social issues. True. And it's like when you if you watch HUD now, you're like, wow, this is great. Like yeah. who would make this? <laughs> like, yeah, HUD, I,
1: I feel like I saw HUD when I was like like I wanna say I was like 16 or 17. Yeah, maybe a too. little maybe a little older, but it, it, it HUD for me was definitely
0: one of those movies that was like a you can do this. Yeah, like, my, dad, you know, like, my my dad, my mom is the bigger movie fan of my household, but my dad is too. And he he's too big let me show you what's up. You know, we rented it from the library, you know, social, whatever, not even social. That's the, that's really the wrong word, but, but movies, you showed me HUD. Um, and then we watched the hustler, Like right? took so two yeah, Paul Newman sure. classics. So the hustler a little less, obviously social, whatever, but, but in terms of just kind of two movies that can really blow your mind, you know, as yeah. a young person who wants to make movies, you go, wow, you can do this huh? you can tackle this type of content, this type of. Anyway, go ahead. I'll let you segue.
1: No, no, no. I just, uh, so the other two I wanted to mention just because they cover multiple subjects we've talked about and did not exist when we talked about them. Uh, one is destination wedding
0: with, Uh, uh, with,
1: with Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. I like that movie a lot. I like, I like, liked it. I I mean, I'm sure if I watched it again, like it's been a minute since I watched it. I'm sure if I watched it again, I'd be like, yeah, no, I still like it. Right. But it is one of those movies that I like more when I talk to people about it just because it does feel like it right. like, no one's seen it. Like no one really cares about it. I think both of them are excellent in it. They they are just operating at a, at a, like exactly the right pitch. Um it's a mean movie. Like they're both very vi- mean. it's a I was very say, mean movie. Very mean. So if you can stomach that, um it. It winds up in a place that is maybe as sweet as a movie like that could maybe be, um, but yeah, it's I uh, I really like it. I think they their chemistry operates really well with one another, and uh, so that was my one sort of HUD connection is just that if you can stomach to watch sort of like miserable characters, um, and kind of find right, the, right, the, right, the, right. the dry humor right. in it, um, it That's definitely true. works, and they are both. Great And then the other one uh I wanted to mention was Serenity, um, which oh God. you know has Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, who we covered. Um, and I believe as of our recording of both of those episodes, we were very much looking forward to that movie, Dan. <laughs> um, oh,
0: right. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure we were. I'm and, sure we were. And right. it's you know, yeah, because uh, McConaughey was a long time ago. That was like seen our fifth the episode. Movie,
1: you know that it's not necessarily what you expect. I won't even I I won't even spoil it necessarily, but uh, it is a movie that takes some big swings, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily connect with them. Uh, but i i have ne- a I have an admiration for ne- that movie. Necessarily,
0: even if it's... necessarily is doing a lot of work in that <laughs> sentence. Um, it. it I, I interviewed. I was lucky enough to interview Steve. I think I mentioned this. I'm, I'm sure I mentioned this at some point. I was. Uh, maybe on the film stage show. I was lucky enough to interview Stephen Knight, the writer and director of that movie. Uh, I feel like days after it came out or right before it came out, I think I I saw a screener of it,
1: a screening of it. Yeah, you went to a screening because I remembered... You, 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 and I were both looking forward to it because it was like right. a, it looked like a sweaty noir, like starring all well, the people. It looked it like star. it
0: looked like out of time. No, right? Like it, looked, yeah. it looked, it looked like yeah. a movie like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so you and I were just both like, "Yes, this is perfect. Like, this is exactly right. what I want." And uh, I just remember us hearing inklings uh, of, I think, from other people who had gone to press screenings that it was just, whoa and so then we got kind of curious and i remember you texting me at the screening just like i just i just have to and well, i think and you I, showed you know- me you showed me your notebook from the screening where you yeah. just started
0: scro- like you and just it's funny, scrawled at one it's point. funny at screenings like that you know i don't live in new york anymore um you know so i don't i i there's screenings in pittsburgh but it's more like it's public and press at the same time right sure. so it's a little bit more kind of you see a movie with a full theater and whatnot um at like an amc mostly right i saw serenity in a in a screening room in a hotel with critics right it was like it's Fifteen people, and what's funny with that stuff? When you see a movie like Serenity with that group, it about an hour in, it, the group broke right. Like people started laughing. Right, it became the thing of like you go in thinking like, oh, this is a thriller, and then it's becoming something else. We don't want to give it away, but it's you know it's this pretty infamous. You know, yeah. If you if the movie hasn't cult, been spoiled, culty for you, silly movie, right? Yeah. If the you movie hasn't say.
1: been spoiled for you yet, I would encourage you to watch it. I mean, it's it's it is worth the watch for kind of the thing that Dan is talking about. And I I sort of hate. I I don't even mean to dog on it because I I I am earnest when I say that. Like, I really do
0: admire the movie in terms of like Stephen Knight. Just like. Just well, be like, let me just yeah. try a thing. Right? I mean, look, like, Stephen <laughs> – and here's the thing. Stephen – this is why – I mean, look, Stephen Knight is an accomplished writer and director. I yeah, mean, I mean, he, like he you know, Locke, which I think is the Locke last movie is, he made before
1: Serenity, right? Yeah,
0: his first two directed movies, uh, movie Redemption with Jason Statham and Locke with Tom Hardy. Are Redemption, which is also
1: kind of an interesting movie. Yeah, Redemption yeah. is a
0: good movie. I mean, they're both basically – fairly small character studies. I mean, that's really what both movies are. Statham, the the movie's got some action in it, but it really is, it's, it's, it is its a Jason Statham acting showcase. I mean, yeah. it sounds funny, It's like a character piece
1: masquerading as a direct-to-video Jason Statham action. But movie. it's
0: a pretty good movie. I would yeah. recommend it and Locke I love. And then, yeah, I mean, look, but also not to forget, Stephen Knight wrote uh, Eastern Promises, right? Stephen yeah. Knight is the showrunner on Peaky Blinders, right? Like, I mean, this is a dude who has done great stuff. So, He's swinging here, and in, in our, my interview, I I him head on uh, what the motivations are were for making Serenity, and I think Anne Hathaway basically I think just basically defended it. On you know I think she was yeah, interested like, in the movie, and this is my point. It's like look, the stuff doesn't really work. I think Connor, you like it a bit more than I do, but yeah. I think to the point we've been making with your Roman J. Israel Esquires and your Serenity, he's right. Two very different movies, though. Movies that are trying things, even if they don't work, you almost I mean, you call it a lowering of the bar, but it's like, you know, that need that those as long as those exist in a world of extractions, you know, and then once again, not to almost take anything away from extraction or bloodshot, but it's like it's two saw, it's two different things. You know what right. I mean? I mean your extractions and your blood shots are trying things in another way that's very action focused, and I don't mean the genre. I mean like it's like movement focused, right? It's literally the visual medium of film, right? Like they, sure. they are literally saying, "We think you want to watch Chris Hemsworth in a one take shot where he's doing these incredible." stunts and that's true of course like and i'm sure extraction is doing amazingly well on netflix and they're saying about you know what was the other movie i just said a bloodshot they're saying we think you like vin and we think you like you know vin in a you know a tech suit fighting another beefy guy and we hey i'm sure people like that but there isn't a lot in the way of ideas, right? Sure. Maybe more in Bloodshot. Bloodshot does have a little bit of a meta thing going on, which is kind of interesting. But the point is, yeah, Serenity for all the silliness. Ultimately, it's trying some stuff, which yeah. you, you have to appreciate. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It's it it makes some monster swings, and uh, again, I don't. You know, I'm not entirely 100 percent on what the rewatch value of Serenity is. If you're alone in your home or not sitting with friends. Um, but definitely, right, right. I, I would recommend it in that capacity. If you want to just clown around, clown around with your friends and watch just a crazy movie, um, I would, I would recommend it.
0: Let me just, cause I think we're almost done. I'm just yes. going to say the other two movies I had that I don't love, but I, I'll just say them and you can kind of use your best judgment, uh, listener. I watched a Keanu Reeves little Romance mystery he made a couple of years ago with Matthew Ross called Siberia. Um, he's a diamond dealer, uh, Keanu Reeves, who goes to Siberia in Russia to make a deal. His partner, his Russian partner, goes missing. The diamonds go missing. Uh, he gets in a strange love affair with this local while his wife, Molly Ringwald, is back in America. Um, it's a pretty nasty movie actually all things considered i do always like seeing counter Reeves in different uh modes so that's one way to recommend it but it does leave a bit to be desired matthew roth is matthew ross is a filmmaker he made a movie called frank and lola a couple years ago that was at sundance so i mean it's a small movie um and it's it's a relatively interesting mystery i suppose but ultimately it doesn't Go far enough that I, yeah, that I'm obviously, I'm not enthusiastically kind of recommending it. The other movie was, and this is more of just, I was looking through our old episodes and I was like, God, how do we not talk about this? A Kevin Costner episode with our buddy Nicholas Gray. Swing vote yeah. is this insane, yeah. like Frank Capra swing by Joshua Michael Stern. Um, I won't even really say anything else. It's kind of like you wouldn't expect anybody but Kevin Costner to be in that movie? Oh no, a th- um, thousand
1: percent. It's like you, it, it, it's a like because well, we, what we literally, year it, what year did it come out? It's like oh eight, right? So it's so, like an, it's literally an 08 version of Mister Smith Goes to Washington. Like it's like
0: y- yes, yes, and yeah. it's and it's and you know we talk about um, you know Kevin Costner. I think the well, I think we mentioned this on the episode when he was coming up, he was compared to Gary Cooper, right? Like their yeah. whole personas were very similar, and they are, and um this is the most like, I mean, this is like a Mr. Deeds goes to town thing. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what they're doing here. And I don't know that it really works. I mean, this is another movie that I think gets a lot of like, does this movie even exist? Ha ha ha. Ridicule. But I, once again, the earnestness with the comedy and the kind of like, not pro America in this weirdly negative way that it is now because of things, but like, this, like, pro the positivity of America, sure. right, like, is within it. And I think just on on that alone, it's interesting to watch. It feels, so, it, like, it feels, like, so old. No, but also, it, like, yeah. uh, I, I mean, to be fair, uh, it, it, it felt like, like a movie that was old when it came out, right? Well, that's like what I mean, yeah. it, but, like, but also couldn't it have, couldn't have come out in the forties. Right. But right. like also feels like it couldn't have come out 2008. No, it's very
1: and, weird. And it does. And I don't mean this real, I guess I kind of mean it as a dig. I, I refer to some movies like this on the podcast occasionally, but it feels like a Tropic Thunder movie. Like it feels like, a movie that yes, you see yes, a trailer yes. for where you'd be like kevin costner in swing vote right and it's like exactly it's and the
0: poster i mean look up the poster yeah. listener it, the poster is that yeah. it's like and it's he's got a hat he's got a backwards hat and he's like smiling it's like swing vote you're like what it feels is like this? a fake
1: yeah. it feels like a fake movie it um, does. i kind of like it too it's not i mean it's not really that great but it is i don't know
0: i it's nice like I, what do you like, think like connor in terms of um B sidey cost do you take that? Do you take draft day? Do you take three days to kill? Do you take McFarland USA? I I actually like McFarland USA. McFarland is actually a good. Is movie. So good, let's is take that out. Good, That's legit. good because I yeah.
1: one of the things McFarland does that you don't expect it to do is it actually does like air clear the air on like the white savior aspect of that movie, Um right. in a way that is you know at least for a movie like that relatively nuanced and and self-reflexive and commendable yeah. in that regard i i like i like draft day i mean draft day was a movie that i saw it's again it's like nice it's good it's compelling it's like you know Vontae
0: mack no matter what yeah
1: of course Vontae mack no matter what you could say i mean look you and i still say that so like it's got to mean something right well and also um, it has
0: it has that plugged in thing of every NFL draft. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, forever yeah. it'll just be referenced. You know, yeah, yeah. like every, Of course. People were talking about it this year. You know, yeah, because, of course. And it's, you know.
1: yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like that movie well enough. The, you know, the trade scene at the end is, is good and compelling. And I think Costner obviously plays it well. He's cast opposite Jennifer Garner in like, not a great way, but like, whatever. What are your, what are your final wrecks? I would say, uh, there's just one movie. Um, this is not, this is more of a, just something I've been watching. I, I, was watching this movie uh called The Sniper which is an Edward Dimitrik movie from the 50s um and it's also on a Criterion Channel kind of a fascinating watch cuz it it's sort of this like really sort of intense like incel narrative um about this guy who is just get he just has the compulsion to kill and it's it's constantly driven on by him essentially you know being an incel and it's a tight little movie it basically follows uh his perspective uh his angle on it for for most of it and it's just this raw weird film noir that again like a lot of those things like i mentioned with uh with the big heat in a way that i feel like film noir really captured you know during particularly like the 40s into the 50s just found a way to like get away with things and just tackle things that you're like, Oh, they made a movie about. And I, and again, maybe that speaks more to like the cyclical nature of the shitty things we deal with in society or whatever. But you know, you, uh, you look at certain things that are on the rise, unfortunately, uh, in culture, uh, in the past couple of years and you watch a movie like that and you're
0: like, Oh, they made a movie about that over 50, over 50 years ago. Yeah. And Edward Demetric. just to jump off that, he he did that more than once. There's a movie he made called Crossfire in the late 40s. It's uh, sort of noir with, uh, starring Robert Young, Robert Mitchum, and Robert Ryan, the, 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 the bobbies. The Robbs. And um, Gloria Graham's also in it. That's a, another great kind of subversive noir movie, which is common. I mean, yeah. the reason noir, like you're saying, the reason noir pervades to this day is because they, they were able to take that quote-unquote B-movie genre and insert political kind of you know, subtext into it without, you know, the code people getting overly, you know, uh, defensive about what was in there. And that was how they got their message out. Right. You had, and then of course you have stuff like Douglas Sirk later on right, in the fifties right. and sixties in, in a totally different way, but yeah, I mean, that's where you would get some of your quote unquote hot takes back then. I mean, right. you know, for lack of a better term. So yeah. Crossfire is another one I would recommend. Uh, Dimitric's an interesting director, you know, undercovered, another undercovered, we were talking about Raul Walsh, I think on one of the last episodes, he's another one of those guys. Like there's a whole industry of that part of, you know, you know, everybody remembers John Ford, everybody remembers John Houston, you know, and whatnot. Everybody remembers Frank Capra, but there are a few other guys who were really doing some subversive work uh, during that time.
1: Yeah, no, I, w- I would recommend it. It um, it's an engaging, it's an engaging little watch. And again, all those movies tend to be, you know, within the frame of like ninety some odd minutes, so just right, uh, easily digestible. Yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing. But um, but yeah, also another quick shout out. I may have mentioned this on the episode, um, but. I recently uh, revisited Killing Them Softly, the Brad Pitt movie, um, which is not a movie we dove into. And maybe it will be a movie we dive into, so I won't really talk about it too much here. But um, just as a Brad Pitt B side goes, I wanted to just shout that out, Killing Them Softly. Yeah, is I mean, excellent. We,
0: we were talking about just mentioning Brad Pitt's producing career because he's such an amazing producer but I think we figure we'll save that for um, you know like you said Connor I'm sure we'll do another Brad Pitt episode uh in the near f- well not in the near future but in the future at so, some point maybe maybe um, when
1: we get to 150 or, or, or something like that
0: yeah it's good we got some good stuff coming up we're gonna talk to our buddy Bill Graham who uh is one of our guys over at the film stage show we're gonna talk to him about saoirse Ronan coming up we got a couple other people that were mulling over during this time on who to tackle. Obviously if you have any people you want us to cover, any movies you want us to cover, let us know uh in social media at TFS B side, you know, hit us up, say, Hey, I want to know about uh I want to know about John Casafetti's B sides. We'll say Cool. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about shadows and faces, whatever you want. Um yeah, what else, Connor? I mean I think Do you have a favorite episode, Dan? Oh my gosh, of our of our thing. Yeah. Um, favorite episode. I was thinking about this earlier. I really like a Ryan Gosling episode with Rachel. Yeah. We were talking about our, our buddy Rachel Ingram earlier. She's a very talented actress, uh, New York-based. We want to try to get her back on in the near future. Uh, so that would be up there, Ryan Gosling. But in truth, I was saying this. Our, I love our conversations with Nate Washburn
1: yeah nate's Nate's great the old not not to
0: play favorites we love all of our guests we yeah talking about the old actors is really we were on our cinephile game nights we hope you're watching um we were talking to a friend over at Film School Rejects about maybe joining us because it is like those old those old actors and those movies. You can really discover uh, stuff you didn't even. I know would was say
1: there. I will say if we could give a preview of the next fifty, even just loosely, that is something uh, I think we should do more of, and I would like to do more of. Is kind of yeah, just re- reach a little further back because because you I can really discover stuff. Yeah, and we mentioned even somebody like like Glenn Ford or Rod Steiger, like these really these faces that you know that popped up up that are just have fascinating bodies of yeah. work, uh, yeah. and are fascinating, uh, Gloria Graham, right. Uh, also, you know, just f- fascinating careers, um, and worth checking out. Um, with that, I will, I'll say, you know, Dan, thanks for starting this and doing it. It's been fun. Hey, It'll continue to be for, fun.
0: Yeah. Thanks for making it actually happen. I mean, you know, you guys, you guys don't, might not know this, but Connor's the one who actually i takes these recordings, I cuts them together, cut it make it all sure together. That, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, so we appreciate that. I, I will say, um, yeah, thank you to all of our guests. Obviously, we yeah. couldn't do this without you either. And lastly, just thank you specifically uh, to you, listener. Whether you're the reason we do this, we're glad you're listening. We hope you keep listening. Indeed. Stay safe. Stay sane. We will. We will we'll keep going to uh, you know many many 50s more